All right. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy Halpin. I am an elder here at Connection Point Church, and I am also the twin brother of our pastor. Um, now, some of y'all, this is the time you get a little disappointed. I know you're like, Joel's not preaching. So bear with me, though. Hopefully, um, hopefully I'll do all right today, all right? All right, uh, funny story, uh, yesterday, it, Joel is safely back from Peru. The whole Peru team is back, as they mentioned. Um, so we're glad that y'all are here safely. I heard y'all had some travel nightmares last night, but we're glad God, God got you back here in one piece. Um, that's the important thing. It was funny because yesterday, my uh, son Owen, we were uh, talking and he was like, why are you preaching tomorrow? And I was like, well, Joel is on a mission trip. He's just getting back. And it's like, but he'll actually be there in the morning. He's coming by. It's like, well, why can't he preach? He's going to be there. And I'm like, yeah, but he just, he was, a, he was away for a week. So he's just got back in town. So today I'm going to be uh, preaching on the story of Samson. Uh, the story of Samson is found in Judges chapter 13 through 17. So it's going to be a little different today as I'm going to cover a lot of text. But the story of Samson, it um, is a story I heard a lot more when I was a kid. I haven't heard it a lot as an adult. Um, a couple of reasons for that. I think as a kid, uh, I think it kind of makes sense. They can see it. They see the superhuman strength of a man. They see uh, he's almost superhero-like. Um, and so they can kind of get on board with that. They see Samson as maybe like the Christian version of the Hulk, you know, so... I think it's a story you hear in like children's Sunday schools and whatnot. But as a kid, I um, haven't heard a whole lot of sermons. I mean, as an adult, I haven't heard a whole lot of sermons on Samson. I haven't actually even read the story of Samson that many times as an adult. Mainly that's because it's uh, in the book of Judges. And I don't really go back and read the book of Judges. I don't know how many of y'all do that on a regular basis. But also, I mean, it's, it's just something that you kind of think from what you remember as a kid, it doesn't really seem applicable that, to your adult life that much. Um, but as I was going through reading the story of Samson, it got me thinking, um, it's kind of odd that we tell our kids this story. It really is. I mean, it's cool that he has uh, superhuman strength, but as we're going to get into it today, he's a very, very flawed individual. He has a lot of issues going on in his life. Um, and there are a lot of topics that we're going to... Um, that get hit on in this story that uh, we're not going to go into detail, but it's kind of odd that we tell kids. I mean, we're going to talk about uh, mass murder. We're going to talk about suicide. Um, we're going to talk about, there's a little prostitution in there. Uh, there's, uh, and there's uh, a very odd story of animal cruelty that, I mean, is like just crazy. Um, so it's kind of odd that we tell our kids this story. I mean, when you read it in detail, uh, it's when they do it over in the children's area. I'm guessing they don't read Judges 13 through 17 in detail. They probably just do the overview of the story. Uh, because when, I'll tell you what I remember is about Samson being taught as a kid. Here you have this, this big muscular guy, right? Who has um, a lot of just strength, can do whatever he wants. And it, as long as he doesn't cut his hair, he's gonna have, have the strength, right? That's about what y'all remember from a kid. And unfortunately, he makes a mistake. He lets him cut his hair, and then he loses his strength and uh, and the story, basically. Uh, and when I got to thinking, I mean, I guess it, it, it's kind of a cool story. The guy has super strength. I mean, it'd be a cool movie. I'd go see the movie, right? Um, but um, even when you think about it, it's kind of an odd 
meaning? Like, what's the meaning? What's the purpose of the whole story? What are we teaching people when we tell them the story of Samson? Um, I mean, most of the things you got taught as a kid was like, yeah, be nice to one another, uh, love one another or whatnot. But what, what do you remember? What's the real purpose of the story of Samson? I mean, if you, you could almost get a, a wrong meaning, a wrong purpose of it of, Here's this guy who makes one mistake in life, right? He gets his hair cut. So God walks away from him. God abandons him. God leaves him to himself and only gets redeemed after he's been through this period of torment or torture, right? Where uh, he's been humbled enough, basically, that God would be like, all right, I'll forgive you. You know, I mean, that's almost what you could get out of the story, right? But it's kind of a wrong view of God. So when I was reading this story and decided to preach on Samson, um, I really, it came to me, okay, Samson's a lot more like us today than, than you think. He, some of the choices he makes, you see people make today. Some of the choices we make, I mean, we're a lot like Samson. When I say that, I definitely don't mean superhuman strength. You know, uh, I definitely not, don't have superhuman strength, okay? As a kid, I was always kind of, uh, I, was, I was a scrawny kid, I'll be honest, you know? I mean, I was small, skinny, one of the skinnier kids in my grade. I mean, my son Owen, he's going into um, to, uh, to ninth grade, and he's about 5'9 or so and weighs about 110. I mean, that was about me in high school going into the ninth grade, and I was playing basketball. And I remember when we go in there, the coach looks at us to see how, how all skinny the team is and how scrawny we are, and he like, basically says, I need to like strengthen y'all up. So he takes us into the weight room one day, and y'all remember those weight rooms when you were a kid that had like the the machine weights that had four sides, like one side was a bench press, one side was a leg press, and one side like you did the tricep thing. And so he's gonna have us all lift weights one day, you know, first time I've probably ever lifted weights in my life. And uh, basically, it, the lowest setting was like a, to bench press just 72 pounds, I think, and then it goes up every like 12 pounds, every weight you add, so 84, 96, 108. And I remember I, along with a couple other kids, like could barely get the 72 pounds up. I mean, I'm not gonna say it looked it didn't look good at all, probably. Uh, a few kids could probably get up 84 pounds or whatnot, but I mean, we were, we were weak. And as you could get away with 25 years ago, the coach basically tried to humiliate us all. He goes and he grabs this girl who's like two years older than us, and he brings the girl and he says, show these guys how to lift weights, and she like bench presses 120 pounds, you know? And so he, he basically shames us all into, to, I don't know what he shamed us into, just that we were weak, we need to get stronger. So when I talk about the story of Samson, I don't mean super strength. That's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, how tragic Samson's life is. And when I compare this to us, I don't mean that my life is tragic. I don't mean that your life is tragic. Uh, what you're going to see is Samson's life. He makes a series of choices, a series of what you could call mistakes that basically have him on a path away from God. He's not a guy who makes one mistake and in his life and that mistake ends up leading to his demise. No, he's a guy who's gonna make a series of choices in his life that are gonna lead him away from God. And the sad thing about Samson is I don't even think he realizes he's doing it. You know, I mean, he's just making these small choices. And when I say small choices, small mistakes today, I don't even always necessarily mean sin. Some of them are just that, they're just choices. They're just um, things that you choose to do. But in and of themselves, you look at it and you're like, ah, it's not really a sin. So, um, that's what we're going to be talking about today is how easy it is to make these mistakes and get on a path in life away from God and not even know 
that you're on the path. And so let's kind of get into the uh, story of Samson. But before I do that, um, let me give you a little, a little background. Samson, uh, he lives in a time after the nation of Israel has, has entered the promised land, but before Saul is anointed the first king of Israel. So you have this time period of uh, God is raising up these people called judges. That's the book of Judges. Um, and judges are not expert lawyers or, you know, like you would think of a judge today. What it means is a judge is a deliverer. It's someone who is going to come deliver the nation of Israel. And Samson, so what you have going on is um, during this time, you have the nation of Israel, basically, they're in this cycle. Basically, they, they sin, they walk away from God in some way. They, they rebel, basically, walk away from God. And because of their rebellion, they go through some period of punishment or some period of persecution that they experience. And then God sends a deliverer, God sends uh, a judge basically to help redeem the nation of Israel. That's what you have going on. You have this cycle. You have all these judges in the book of Judges. Uh, uh, they're not all superhuman strength as just Samson. All the judges had their unique gift basically in how they delivered the nation of Israel. But Samson was, he was physically strong. And so when the nation of Israel entered the promised land, there were all these other nations there and they were told to basically remove all of those nations to remove the people there, but they didn't do it. And so you have these people living in the nation of Israel called the Philistines. And basically what's happening right now is they've rebelled. These Philistines are basically ruling over the nation of Israel, terrorizing them basically. And so they call out to, to God for a deliverer. And we can see that. that so we're going to be in Judges 13 through 17. If you're reading along in the Bibles that we have, it's page 137. If you're in the Connection Point app, uh, Joey put it in the app. So uh, if you go to sermons, um, or you can just on your phone find Judges 13. And we can see right off the bat, um, we can see right off the bat it says, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines. And so doesn't say what evil they did. Don't know what they did, but they've done evil. So they've rebelled. They're uh, giving them to the hands of the Philistines. They're in this time of uh, punishment, basically. And what I think happened here, as far as what they did, I think how the Israelites are living, what we're probably going to see is they're probably not that different than Samson. They probably just made a ton of little choices in their life to, to kind of go their own way to these little choices that took them away from God and basically found themselves away from God. That's what I think happened with the, the nation of Israel. So when you get into it there in Judges 13, it starts, you know, at the beginning, it says, saying Samson's mom was barren and was unable to have um, children. But then this angel of the Lord comes to her and says, hey, you're going to have a son and he's going to be a Nazarite. Um, most of the chapter goes back and forth with uh, her encounter and her husband's encounter with the angel of the Lord. Um, and I mean, it's really probably not that uncommon than you think. Most people who have the angel, did he really tell me we're gonna have a kid? Go back and forth and oh yeah, we're gonna have a kid. What does he want? Um, but when he says that you're gonna have this kid and he's gonna be a Nazarite, to her that wouldn't have been like to you or I. You say, hey, you're gonna have a son. He's gonna be a Nazarite. Be like, great, what the heck is that? You know, you'd have no idea. I had no idea. But they would have known because in the law, it, it basically lays out what it means to be a Nazarite. 
And to be a Nazarite is basically anyone could become a Nazarite. To be a Nazarite is basically someone who says, I'm going to take the vow to do three things. And that vow is going to be for a set amount of time. It's going to, you know, it could be for um, 30 days, could be for 60 days, 90 days. You set the amount of time you want to do this vow and you vow in three things. You're not going to do three things. One is you're not going to cut your hair. That's Samson. We all know that, right? He's not going to cut his hair. He's going to let it grow. The other three things of a Nazarite vow is um, you're not going to eat of the grapevine. You're not going to eat a grape. You're not going to drink wine. You're just not going to do anything of the grapevine, right? And then the third part is you're not going to make yourself unclean by coming into the presence of a dead body. Um, Even if your mother or father passed away, you're not allowed to go in the room to kind of pay your respects. So you got to distance yourself from dead bodies. Three things of the vow. And the whole point of the Nazarite vow is that you are setting yourself apart. You are setting yourself apart to live differently. So that when people look at you, they think that guy's living differently and his actions are going to point me towards God. That's basically why you would become a Nazarite is you're going to vow, hey, I'm going to live differently. That sounds familiar, right? I mean, we see that. We see that the nation of Israel, right? The whole point of the nation of Israel was here's this nation of God's people, basically, that were supposed to live in such a way that when God saw the nation of Israel, or when people, other nations saw the nation of Israel and saw how God was blessing them, they'd be pointed to God, right? That, that was what the nation of Israel was supposed to do, be. For those of us who are claim to be followers of Christ, that's basically what being a Christian is, right? We're claiming that we're going to live differently. We are going to because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are going to live differently in such a way that when people see us, they are going to be pointed towards Jesus. I mean, that's a lot of God's plan in the Bible is for man, because of our relationship with God, to live in such a way that when those who don't know God see us, they're pointed to God. So if Nazarite is somebody who's taking that vow, I'm going to live differently. That's, that's basically what's happening. A little bit different with Samson most people would take that Nazarite vow themselves. I mean, that's what it talks about in the book of Numbers. However, with Samson, he was chosen by God. He was told upon birth, you're going to be a Nazarite. Um, So he was called to be a Nazarite, but really, same three vows uh, was supposed to be on his life for his entire life. And, you know, when I think when Samson was young, I think he probably adhered to this vow pretty strictly. I'll tell you why I think that. Because it says... In Judges chapter 13, verse 24, and the young man grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. Before I get into that, I'm gonna tell you, this is a great sermon for y'all if y'all don't wanna pay attention because uh, uh, it's a lot of text, 13 through 17. You can open your Bible, you can put your head down and you can just act like you're reading the whole thing. So um, y'all have to do whatever you need to do here. Um, But... um, It says the young man grew. So if you finish chapter 13, basically, basically what you get is here is this lady who couldn't have a kid and angel of the Lord comes to her, says, you're going to have a kid. He's going to be a Nazarite. And you see that this Nazarite basically is blessed by God. That's how chapter 13 ends. So you think, hey, great. Here's this person that uh, God is raising up, this deliverer who's going to deliver the nation of Israel. Chapter 13 ends just you would think, oh, all's good. You would expect as a story in the Bible, right? But then we get to chapter 14, and here's where you see, get into detail of the life of Samson, and we're going to go through some crazy stuff today. Uh, but 
basically, he's gonna make a series of choices, a series, uh, again, they're not all sins, uh, but just a series of mistakes, wrong choices, mistakes that he's going to make in life that are gonna lead him away from God. And I will tell you that these don't necessarily, these four, I have four mistakes that I've kind of pulled out from the text today. They don't necessarily build on each other. So it's not like you make one and it leads you to two and it leads you to three. I mean, you could really make any of them, you know? Some of them will build upon each other in Samson's life, but really it's just four things that I think mistakes Samson made and I think are common to people today that if we don't, aren't actively thinking of this, these things in our life, we're prone to make these same sort of mistakes. First one is right off the bat. We see um, Samson, it says, um, basically says, Samson went down to Timnah to basically see a girl. And let me tell you what Timnah is. Timnah is not a town that has a very good reputation in the Bible, okay? When we go through here, Timnah is, um, it is a city in the nation of Israel However, at this point in time, it seems to be controlled by the Philistines. It seems to be, they're still living in the land, so this seems to be pretty much a Philistine city, okay? And when you look at Timnah, you see there's a lot of prostitution that goes on there. You're gonna see here in a little bit, there's a little wagering as often goes on here in the city of Timnah. But probably just going to Timnah in and of itself is not a, um, not a sin, you know? Um, but what Samson's about to do here, oh, let me tell you one other story about Samson. I'm not gonna go through the story, but it's fascinating. If you go to Genesis, there's a, if you wanna know more about Timnah, there's a crazy story just kind of stuck in in the middle of Genesis when a guy named Judah goes there. You can go read that one on your own. That's a little tidbit, but it, it kind of goes to the reputation of Timnah. And it's just not a lot of good said about it in the Bible from what I could find. But this is the first mistake that he's making. It's a Philistine city basically, and Samson is an Israelite. The Philistines are the enemies of the Israelites. He's about to walk into enemy territory and basically walk straight up to temptation. And that is the first mistake that Samson makes. That's the, a mistake that I think we are prone to do in life. We are prone to sometimes walk right up to temptation and think, well, I'm not going to sin. I'm just going to get myself right there. I'm not going to cross the line. I'm just going to walk right up to that edge, you know? And we think we can handle it. We think we can walk into enemy territory, basically, and say, I got this. And that's the first mistake that Samson's going to make. Let me tell you, he makes this mistake again. Look at uh, verse five there. It says, we see it again. It says, he and his parents basically came to the vineyards at Timnah. Okay? Think about this. What was that vow? Three, three vows, right? We're not going to eat of the grape. We're not going to drink wine. Why is a guy who's vowed to live differently going to a vineyard? You know, I mean, it's basically what he's done. I'm not going to do this, but it, he's gone to the vineyard. And so let's say even if he doesn't sin, he doesn't do anything here. doesn't necessarily say he did. But you think if somebody sees him, they say, he's a, he's a Nazarite. That means he's done three things, but I see him in a vineyard, you know, what do you think they're going to think? I mean, they're going to think, eh, I don't know what he's doing over there. Do you think his witness, does he look set apart when he's in the vineyard? And that's the thing. I mean, sometimes we walk right up to that edge. We, we say, hey, I'm not supposed to eat. I'm not supposed to drink of it, you know, but hey, I can go to the vineyard, right? And so that's where we see Samson. He's made the first choice. He's walked straight up to temptation. And some of these things in our life, you know, it's not always a physical place. You know, I'm not saying it's a physical place. We go, we do it emotionally. We do it spiritually. We go to these places in life that 
right up to the edge where we probably shouldn't do it, you know? Now, I'm not going to... There's some debate over about uh, how many times Samson broke this Nazarite vow in his life, um, you know, and whether or not he broke it. I read some scholars who believe he broke the Nazarite vow many, many times in his life. I um, saw some scholars who think, no, he only broke the Nazarite vow the one time when cut his hair, and I even read one guy who said, well, Samson never broke the Nazarite vow because he didn't cut his own, oh, this jumping ahead, but we'll get there, okay? I'm not going to sit here and read into the text that um, he broke the vow here. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my belief as I read through all of this. I think he broke the vow many, many times in his life. I think he did. I think here's a guy, a young guy, he's at the vineyard, you know, he may have eaten a grape. You know, that's all he did, ate a grape. Um, but again, he broke the vow. Doesn't say he did it. My guess is he probably broke vow number one right here, you know? Broke it one time. But we're going to get into some more, okay? And then the whole reason that I'm preaching on Samson today, it comes in verse three. Uh, so we'll back up a little bit. And this is mistake number two. I'm going to get going here in a second. I know I'm already probably halfway through my time, but you know, we're like a couple verses in. And we've got five chapters to go here, people. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get moving. Um, but this is the whole reason I, I, I preached on it today. In verse uh, three, I believe it is, he sees a girl, and so he goes back to his father and he says, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. And that's, quote, that's, she is right in my eyes. Now, Samson would have known he wasn't supposed to marry outside the nation of Israel. They were told that many times, you know, the the men were supposed to marry within, within the nation of Israel. His parents would have known it. In fact, his parents say to him, hey, um, isn't there a girl in Israel that you'd like to marry? He's like, nope, I want that one. So I don't know why, but his dad goes along with it and his dad basically sets up the marriage for him, okay? But I'm sitting there thinking, you know, we do this. We, what is right in his eyes, we rationalize our choices. We rationalize what could be sin as being okay. And it's not even sometimes that we get to the point where we're, we're lying to ourselves. We're like, no, I know I shouldn't do this, but, but I'm going to do it anyhow. No, we get to the point, you see, it is right in his eyes. I mean, his view of right or wrong, and I say these things don't build on each other, but I'm going to say, I think number two here, mistake number two is building on mistake number one. You, you get led into temptation, you get led into sin. Mistake number two is you get this mindset shift that um, you get this own version of right and wrong in your mind, you know, and you think it's from God, you think it's right or wrong, it seems right to you, it feels right to you, but it's not. And this is talked about many, many times in the Bible, you know, this whole idea. Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, writes multiple Proverbs about this. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 16.2, all of the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the, way waits, but the Lord waits the spirit. 21.2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And this seems to be a big issue in the world today, right? I mean, you see it all the time. You see people who justify whatever they want. They look through the world as a, you know, the lens of what they think is right or wrong. And God says specifically, that's how a fool looks at the world. You know, that's how a fool thinks. Um, 
and I'm here to tell you that, you know, I mean, we're, we're prone to do this on our own too. Think we know, you know, what's right for us. We think right or wrong. But if you don't kind of fact check everything against the Bible, then you can find yourself in this whole, I think this is right, this seems good to me, you know? And one example, you know, I don't mean to pick on anybody. I can say this to y'all because uh, the people I'm going to be talking to aren't here today, you know? I mean, one thing, one thing that came to mind that people do is, well, I don't need to go to church, you know? Uh, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. I don't need to surround myself with a body of believers. I don't need to get in community with other people and get in to sharing life with others. Um, you know, I'm more, they can think I'm more of a loner, you know, and God wouldn't have made me this way if he really wanted me to do that or I'm too busy in life. And if you really knew what my life was and what I got going on, then, I mean, people, they're gonna come up with it in their mind and they're gonna justify it, they're gonna rationalize it and it's, it's why it's right for them. It happens all the time. Now I'm big, I'm a Star Wars guy, I've seen all the movies, I'm gonna go see the next one. Um, one great thing about Joel and I is uh, we kind of grew up in a household where my dad would pull things out of Star Wars and you know use those as quotes to life lessons and whatnot. Um, I even named my son's uh, soccer team when they were really young, the Jedi Forces, and he's now 14, 15 years old almost. And we're uh, still going by that name, so people make fun of it. It's cool. And so, but there's a line in the story of Star Wars that says, um, after, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, man, it's, it's too late. Uh, it says, you know, Darth Vader tells Luke that he's his father, and Luke's like, no, you know, but then he says, Search your feelings for you know it to be true. Now I'm here to tell you, if that's your kind of philosophy in life, to search your feelings for what's true, we got to talk afterwards, okay? Because something could be wrong. Something is wrong, let me tell you that. <laughs> but despite Samson being wrong place, wrong place, rationalizing his answer, it's kind of here at the venue that we see the strength, the superhuman strength come on him for the first time. And we're about to see, we're about to start flying through this here, okay? So... We're about to see, uh, God hasn't abandoned Samson for just one mistake. We're about to see these series of mistakes that he makes. So it comes upon him, the, while he's in the vineyard, this lion basically comes out and attacks him. And Samson, the spirit of the Lord comes on him. Samson just, um, with his strength, basically just tears the lion to pieces. What's funny to me, I got to interject this, the funniest part of the whole story to me almost. It, said, it doesn't just say that he ripped the lion to pieces. It sings, says um, he tore the lion to pieces as one would tear a young goat. And I'm sitting there thinking, that's just kind of funny, right? I mean, like, I'm going to go tear a young goat to pieces, you know? I'm sure to them it made perfect sense, you know, with sacrifices and whatnot, but it just kind of seems funny, you know, like I'm going to go out and tear a young goat later today, you know? Uh, so, I don't know. But it says, so, it tears it to pieces, okay? And a few days later, he's going back by, and he goes past the dead, lion and he walks up to the dead lion and there's some debate about whether or not being around a dead animal is actually breaking the vow. Some people say you have to be around a dead human body. I'm going to say I think he breaks the vow here of being around a dead body. I'll tell you why in just a second. But he walks up, sees a beehive in the carcass of the dead lion, uh, reaches in, grabs honey. He eats the honey and then he takes some of the honey and he gives it to his parents. Why I think he broke the vow is because it specifically says he made it a point not to tell his parents where he got the honey. I think the reason he told, didn't want to tell his parents, he knew he wasn't supposed to be around the dead lion, didn't want to lecture from mom and dad, basically, about why he did what was wrong. And this is not, mistake number three that we're about to see. Again, I promise you, I'm going to go through these. 
Mistake number three is he's about to make serious choices and he's about to assume that his disobedience will never cost him, that he will never suffer consequences from his, from his sin. And this happens to us. I mean, if you get away with something long enough, you think it's not that bad, it must not be that bad. I'm okay, I can get away with it. And so let's start kind of going through here his life, okay? Next he goes to the, uh, and again, all these choices he make, not necessarily sin, but he's about to make some mistakes, things that he probably shouldn't be doing. Next, the wedding feast finally comes about. He wanted to marry that girl. They set up the wedding. And so it's this several-day feast. Y'all remember the first miracle that Jesus did where he turned the water into wine? That was at one of these wedding feasts. It was a seven-day feast, basically. And during that feast, they drank so much wine that they ran out that they basically go to Jesus and say, hey, we need more wine. So Jesus turns the water into wine. That's what happened. Well, this feast, I don't think is any different. It says it was a feast as young men do. You know, it's just a feast as young men do. Doesn't say it's any different. I'm guessing there's a lot of wine drinking. I'm guessing Samson may have drank wine. Doesn't say that he does. Wouldn't surprise me if he did, though. Broke the vow, one of the parts of the vow there. But during there, you get this kind of bar-like atmosphere where you get all these guys around, and, you know, Samson's like, hey, let me give you all this little riddle, and if y'all, let's place a little wager on it. If y'all can get the answer to this riddle, then uh, I'll give y'all, by all 30 of you, a brand new shirt. If y'all cannot answer the riddle, then all of y'all have to buy a brand new shirt for me. And I get 30 shirts. Well, it goes about four days and, um, and they don't get the answer. So they go to a soon to be wife and they say, Hey, you better tell us, get the answer to this riddle and tell us, otherwise we're going to burn you and your dad alive. And like, okay. So she goes, gets the answer, goes back, tells them Samson's livid mad. He's just mad that they got the answer to his riddle, which I'll let y'all read the riddle, but it's out of the, uh, well, it's out of the eater came something to eat out of the strong came something sweet. It was him going to the, uh, the lion and get honey out of it. It was basically it. Uh, anyhow, um, He's so mad, he walks 30 miles from Timna to a town called Ashkelon. I think the only reason he stopped in Ashkelon is because it's on the coast. He probably had to stop. And so, but when he's in Ashkelon, you know, he's gone basically a marathon, livid mad. What he does is he kills 30 people. And I can tell you, he breaks, he definitely breaks the vow here. How do I know? Because he kills 30 men and he takes their shirts off of them, of their corpses, basically. He takes them back and he gives them to... uh, to the people to pay his debt. And then, funny thing happens, he goes back to his soon-to-be father-in-law and says, hey, I want my wife now. And he's like, hey, you've been gone a few days, but I didn't think you wanted her anymore, so I married her off to somebody else. And he's like, that makes him mad. So what he does is he goes out, he catches 300 foxes, he ties these foxes, gets them two by two, ties them tail to tail, stuffs a torch and ties a torch to their tails, sets it on fire and sets the, I guess, 150 pairs of foxes through the Philistine town, basically setting everything on fire. Well, that makes the Philistines so mad that they raise an army to go against the nation of Israel. And so they basically go to where the Israelites are camped and said, hey, we're going to attack you basically unless you hand Samson over to us. 3,000 Israelites go to Samson and say, hey, um, can you please turn yourself in? Otherwise they're gonna attack us and kill us all. And so... He's like, fine, as long as y'all don't kill me, I'll turn myself in. So he lets them chain him up, bind him, turn him over to him. But as soon as he does, as soon as they turn him over, he rips the chains off, grabs the jawbone of a donkey, breaking the vow again, and slaughters a thousand men with it. That time he sings a little song to himself, heaps upon heaps, I killed a thousand men, basically is what he he says. So (laughs) 
you kind of get the idea that we got a man who may be a little out of control, may uh, be going down a wrong path in life, making some poor choices. Uh, we're not, it's where we're going, right? I mean, you'll see it. And I think sin is kind of like that in life, right? I mean, you get on this path, you don't even realize. It. I mean, it could have started with eating a grape in a vineyard, right? And that's what sin's like. You have this little pet lion, right? I mean, you start it, it's all right. I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. I rationalize, it's not bad, it's not hurting me. I feed that little lion, right? I just feed it. And that lion grows, that lion grows, the lion grows, and now you got a lion, right? And that's where Samson is. He's got a lion next to him, right? Like he's got some issues in his life that I know he's Samson, forget the super strength, man, but he's got some issues that you or I couldn't deal with, right? I mean, right, you need help, right? What is odd is we get this little moment of uh, clarity in his life, I guess, basically, is after he does this, he kind of goes away and he says, God, I know all my strength comes from you. Thank you for everything you've blessed me with, but I'm really thirsty now. Could you please give me a drink? God splits open this rock, water comes out, he drinks, and you'd like to think, good, that's a good place to end the story, right? He's repented. Well, unfortunately, he doesn't repent. And I'll tell you all, I wish that were the end of the story, but this is, some of us come to this point as well, right? Where we think, God, I know you're God. I'm sorry for what I've done. And so, um, but that's not repentance. Repentance is not just saying you're sorry for your sin. Repentance is seeing your sin, turning from your sin, and going towards God. Leaving your sin behind, turning from that ways. And that's not what Samson does here. He just had a moment of, hey, I'm sorry. And so then we get to um, chapter 16. And here's where Delilah, everybody knows Samson and Delilah, right? Um, Here's Delilah comes into the story. And here's where we're going to see. I'll go ahead and give you all, spoiler alert, here's mistake number four, choice number four. So let me recap just so you all know. There's the, those of you taking notes today. (laughs) Uh, We have walking right up to temptation. We have rationalizing our sin. And we have uh, assuming our consequences or disobedience will not hurt us. And here we have losing, mistake number four, losing sight of the source of your Strength, losing sight of the source of his strength, basically. And we're going to see that here. So we get the, he goes to a new town, but again, it's a Philistine town. And he's looking for a woman, which, okay, we're not going to get into that. But um, he finds someone that he likes. His name is, her name is Delilah. He goes in Delilah. I'm assuming it's like a bedroom setting. And Delilah, who is a Philistine woman, says to him, hey, what would make you like any other man? What would make you lose your strength and become like any of us? She's an enemy of the Philistines asking this. And here's where two things, one of two scenarios is about to happen here, okay? Either he knows what's, this ha- knows what's happening and it's like, nothing's ever happened to me in my life. I'm strong enough. I can handle this on my own. I'm going to have a little fun with it. That could be scenario one. Or scenario two, he's in the bedroom with a woman. He's just not even thinking. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So, um, but basically she asks this and he says to her, hey, if I get tied with seven fresh bowstrings, then I'll become like any other man. So he goes to sleep. I'm guessing he passed out because I'm a dad. And as you become a dad, those are your dads, you become a pretty heavy sleeper. You can sleep through a lot of stuff. But if I get tied with seven fresh bowstrings while I'm asleep, I'm waking up sometime in the middle of it. But he... um, he sleeps through the whole thing, and then Delilah starts yelling, hey, the Philistines are upon you. So he breaks free, basically kills a bunch of Philistines at that point in time. At which most of us would say, hey, 
you come to this moment of clarity of, hey, there's this woman who uh, I told, uh, the only person I told, I woke up, tired, not going around her again, but he doesn't do that. For some reason, he goes back to her, right? I mean, this is crazy. And so it's got to be awkward the next night, right, rather than the bedroom. I mean, it's like, hey, that was odd how I told you that story about the seven fresh bowstrings, and then I wake up for seven fresh bowstrings, and she's got to be like, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> But obviously, that's not your thing. So what, what's your thing? And so he says, hey, I can't be tied with new rope. So lo and behold, he goes to sleep, wakes up, tied with new rope, but he breaks free, kills a 1,000 Philistines. And you're thinking, this is where it kind of goes off the deep end, right? Nobody's this stupid. Nobody's going to make this mistake so many times. I would never do that. Well, let me tell you, we're all that stupid. We all make that mistake several times. How many times in our life do we go to the same sin? How many times in our life do we go back to the same choice that we made that was wrong before? And again, it's unfortunate that, that Samson lived before Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs because he could have learned a lot probably from the book of Proverbs. But Samson, write, I mean, uh, Solomon writes about that, Proverbs chapter 26. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. I'm thinking, we do it, we do it. Over and over again, we commit sins. It could be anything. It could be a, a little gossip problem. It could be a lust problem. It could be a laziness problem. It could be a working too hard problem. I don't know. It could be anything. I mean, in, you can think of whatever it is. We know that there are things in our lives that we do over and over again that we shouldn't. And think to yourself, I mean, why? I mean, why do we do it? Um, I don't know. You know, we don't hate the sin in our life. Again, we don't think there are any consequences coming from it. We think that we can handle things on our own, um, but we return to it. So you get the same thing, happens again, third time. Here he goes back to her and says, hey, my hair can't be tied into this web thing. I didn't really understand this one, but it can't, my hair can't be tied into the, the web. And so goes to sleep, wakes up, hair's tied into the web. And as a kid, I always thought, this kind of weird because you kind of think that his source of the strength is coming from his hair. What if he rips out his hair you know, and it's like, what well, he loses his strength then, but he doesn't. And that's just a side note, but um, gets the uh, breaks where he kills some more Philistines. Fourth time, goes back, and here she's really nagging him, nagging him, nagging him, nagging him. And he says, fine, you know what? My hair's never been shaved. You know, my hair's never been cut. If my hair were ever cut, I'm pretty sure I'd lose my strength. Um, now, I don't know here, okay? I don't know if he, I don't know what's going on in his mind. Let's think about this. Does he really think that the source of his strength is his hair? If you read the story, it just says, never cut your hair. And then here's this guy with super strength. I don't know if he's correlated the two together. Uh, as a kid, we always kind of put, put them together because when he, hair gets cut, he loses his strength. I don't know if his, in his mind he thinks that. I don't know if in his mind he does think it, but he thinks, you know what? I vowed three things in my life. I broke two of them already. Nothing happened. I break the third one. Nothing's going to happen either. You know, I kind of think that's what's going on in his mind. Verse chapter 16, verse 20 says, when the Philistines come upon him this time, he says, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord left him. Scary part of it all. He didn't even realize that the Lord had left him. Um, but what I want you to see here is what I believe has just happened is here at this point, we, in my opinion, he's broken vow number one, he's broken vow number two. Here, he just breaks vow number three. He had vowed three things in his life 
to set himself apart, three things in his life to make himself look differently than everybody else so that he, people would be pointed to God. He's now broken the third vow. That's what I think just happened. He broke the third vow and he doesn't look differently than anybody else in the world. He doesn't look different than a Philistine. He just doesn't look different. He's just an average guy. And he loses his strength and he becomes an average guy. And what I think happened here, I mean, in, in our lives, we set out, you know, intentionally. We think, hey, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live differently. And we think that is it. But because of some choices, you know, in life, we sometimes get to a point where we do not look differently than anyone else. And I think that's what's happened with Samson. When you look at it, I really do not believe that he was, I mean, we've just been through the story. He was not a guy who was going along fine, makes one mistake, God leaves him. No, he was a man who set out, who first vowed to live differently and then set out making these series of choices, these series of mistakes that took him away from God. And in the end, that led to his demise. Now, Samson eventually was subdued. Um, the Philistines overpowered him. They plucked out his eyes, put him in prison. He didn't even see it coming. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Derailed me. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's, that's my fear for people is that, um, you know, that we, uh, you can get, how easy it is to get on this path, this path to the destruction and not even see it, you know, by making these sins. And it's hard to get up here. I mean, I get up here, I'm not a perfect person. People who know me close, they know I'm not a perfect person. They know my faults. And sometimes it seems like my faults, I just, I live with them, you know, and I just accept them and I choose them and whatnot. And I mean, sometimes I probably do. But as Christians, we're called to live differently. We're called to repent. We're called to hate our sin, turn from our sin, run towards God. So to wrap up here, a couple points of application. You know, first, we serve a loving God. That's the first application. And then we got a God who will forgive it's not a God that after you've suffered and after you've been tormented, you know, then he'll use you. We've got a God that when you repent of your sin and turn towards him, he offers forgiveness and he offers true life. And anybody who's never made that decision to become a Christian today, to follow after Jesus Christ, there are cards that you're, you're welcome to grab the card and uh, mark that you'd like to make that decision to follow Christ and we'll follow up with you. But that's the first thing, that we follow a, a loving God who forgives us of, of our sins. He does for those mistakes that we've made in life. Second point of application is wasted gifts. And um, Samson is exactly that. I look at Samson and you got to stop and think, here's a, a man who had superhuman strength and what could he have done for the nation of Israel? What could he have done for God had he not chosen to go his own way and ultimately led to his demise? you know, God was able to still use Samson late in his life, but I'm thinking there could have been so much more for Samson. He could have, um, he could have affected so many more lives. Um, but he wasted that gift. Now, the two things I want to say here that I love about um, Connection Point Church. First reason, the whole reason that I'm here, yes, my brother is the pastor, but the main reason I'm here, I left a church that I... Um, loved going to. I mean, I thought it was a great church. And the reason I came here is because uh, before my brother started this church, he and I had a conversation and I was telling him kind of about where I was in life. And he um, said to me, you know, I promise you if this church were going to start, you're going to make an eternal difference in people's lives. 
I don't know that I feel like I've made an eternal difference in a lot of people's lives, but I know this church has. And so I want to use whatever I get, gifts I have to, to make an eternal difference in people's lives. But one thing I also love is my brother will, from time to time, he'll, he'll say these phrases that just resonate with me, that stick with me and that I think of later on. And one of those is that it's not going to be everybody, that, but for most of us, our lives are exact. what he says is our lives are exactly where we have led them to be. And I think that's so true. You know, whenever I get to a point of ineffectiveness where I'm, you know, not effective for God, I kind of look around and I think, you know, God didn't leave me. The reason I'm ineffective, the reason I'm wasting my gifts is because I've made choices along the way to walk away from God, to, to break vows that I said that I would live differently, you know? And so I think we're all like that, that we can sometimes make these choices that lead us away from God and lead us to becoming ineffective. And so, you know, this was, none of this was earth shattering today. None of this was just, uh, it, you know, that earth shattering. I mean, it's common sense. We all know it, right? That we need to turn towards God. And so we need to do that. We need to recognize these small things in our life and turn from those sins and turn towards God. I'm going to wrap up with this, that in the coming weeks, you're going to hear more about the future of Connection Point Church and, 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 and what God has ahead for us. And let me tell you, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to serve. There are going to be a lot of opportunities to make an eternal difference for those in our community, those in the city of Wiley, Saxe, Murphy, Plano, all the surrounding, Rallet, wherever y'all are from, uh, all the surrounding areas. Um, and so... I think during this time of preparation, we all need to be looking at our life. We need to be looking at those little choices that we're making in life, turn from those, repent of those sins, turn towards God. Because I think, wouldn't it be amazing? You know, Sam, who knows what God could have done through Samson? Uh, Samson never found out what he was truly capable of doing probably. But I think it'd be awesome to see what God could do through a church of a, it's currently 100 to 150 people probably, and how he could move throughout the city if we all caught, were on fire for him, turned from our sins, and truly lived differently so that they saw this group of people who were truly living differently. And people would look and say, why is God blessing those people? Why does the hand of God appear to be on them? Why do they, why do they live differently? And it would draw them to God. So, you know, we all have different gifts, different things that we're we're able to do for this church, you know, that we're able to give. And, you know, my prayer is that we can just all give to the church, you know. One of the last times I preached, I preached on, uh, I, they let me preach up here like, what, like once every other year, maybe once a year at most, basically. And so one of the last times I preached, it's been a couple of years ago, I preached on Jesus feeding the 5,000. And then my favorite part of that story was this little boy who gave his five, uh, five fish and two loaves of bread, basically, to to Jesus to be used. And the whole miracle of Jesus feeding all those people doesn't happen if that one person doesn't give their gift, if that one person isn't following after God. And that's what I pray for us is that we're all giving our gifts to this church, that we're all turning from sin and using our gifts for God and not making these same mistakes that basically Samson made that basically led to his demise. So thank you all for letting me talk today. Uh, I appreciate it. I hope you all were able to get something out of it. And let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for Connection Point Church and just uh, all that you've done in this church over the past several years and all that you have planned to do in this church over the 
the, uh, the coming years. Um, I pray that you would just um, show everybody here what issues in our life need to be changed, what issues in our life we need to turn over to you, that we need forgiveness for so that when we go out of here, that we are truly people that are living differently, truly are people who that when others see us, that they think there's something different about that people, those people. And not that it raises us up, but what those actions do, those actions point people to you. So we thank you for the love you've given us. We thank you for all the blessings you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.